I I'm I'm really feeling daunted by the time which has been allocated, but uh, can't help it. So uh, it's a actually a 19 or 18 slide presentation, which is a little big for the time format. But I'll just uh, try to confine myself to the time which has been set. So uh, basically, the as you have heard, uh, it is about uh, conceptions of gender and sexuality as it uh, got reflected in. in uh, bengali vaishnav traditions and i must i might just uh, say at the outset that bengali vaishnav traditions are not a unilateral uh, singular tradition there are various shades to it so uh, uh, and this doesn't uh, just get confined to uh, intersex relations but also man woman relations and uh, so on and so forth and how that got reflected in the theological literature and how that was also practiced by uh, vaishnavas in bengal so uh, this is what basically it is going to be all about so i uh, might just begin with the fact that uh, in indian traditions we are a little more tolerant uh, and even the uh, boundaries are more hazy but uh, as you can understand that the western traditions through which we have begun to understand academics they are more rigid and these boundaries like uh, the ones which you have between the mind and the body and the subject and the matter and so on and so forth these are uh, almost rigid boundaries which uh, tend to influence us when we do our academics and uh, uh, the bengali vaishnava traditions uh, are uh, in fact uh, an offering us uh, an alternative so to say and we have heard in the morning about various other alternatives which exist and uh, such notions of uh, amorous behavior of uh, love being uh, shared and respected within religious traditions is something which we have in a major way in bengal so uh, and i'm not speaking about shakta and uh, shaiva traditions which we also have and uh, uh, but i'm just confining myself to the vaishnav so uh, this is uh, uh, how chaitanya who was the founder figure of uh, bengali vaishnavism portrayed in the religious literature uh, there have been different shades one is to consider him as the full godhead as the reincarnation of vishnu of uh, krishna and uh, other things but there is a conjoined androgynous relationship which is also being portrayed and this is celebrated in the theological literature and uh, as you can uh, read uh, on uh, from the chaitanya charitamrita which is the seminal text that you have uh, which says that radha krishna ek atta dui deho dhavi onanno onanno vilashe rashad sarshashagan kori she dui ake ebe chaitanya gosai rosh ashadite duhu hoilo ek ake thai and the translation is given i am not going to read out and which means that uh, chaitanya was uh, reincarnated so that krishna and radha could taste their love for each other so and krishna reincarnated himself so that he could taste the sweetness of the love that radha had for him in the dwapar age so this is the imagery which is celebrated and uh, there th there have been different uh, notions which have been uh, given out and uh, there are uh, some technicalities to it also which i am not going into so how to taste that sweetness is something uh, which has been elaborated by various theologians uh, rupa goshami who was uh, one of the most important theologians based in uh, vrindavan uh, 
he was uh, uh, exuberant in his uh, uh, descriptions about the imagery that we have. And I'm just going to give you a visual as to how this was presented in, in visual terms. So you have uh, Radha and uh, uh, Krishna conjoined in the new avataric image, which was the golden hue, uh, which uh, he or she, he, she together uh, had taken in uh, Kali Yug. And the panels that you see on the left are basically from uh, various depictions. The one which is given below is from the uh, temples which were constructed in, uh, uh, in, uh, in Vishnupur by the Malla dynasty in the 17th and 18th century. There you have the Rasa dance being depicted and uh, how those were very significant to the religious uh, ideas of the sect. Uh, this elaborate imagery is uh, also celebrated in the theological uh, fashion in uh, Rupa Goswami's uh, Bhakti Rashamrita Sindhu, which is in Sanskrit. But uh, the essence is that a Krishna Bhakta or a Chaitanya Bhakta needs to understand his or her consciousness and of his relationship with Krishna. So in order to understand that, he has various pathways to it. If you look at the top, uh, the sadhana bhakti uh, is something that is sadhana in uh, Hindi. Sadhana can be divided into two types. One is the vidhi or the vaidhi, which is uh, which is something which you have to uh, which you have to abide by regulations. And uh, uh, the the thing which is celebrated is that raganuga bhakti or the one which is of the amorous variety is much more important than just following injunctions of daily rituals, of wearing things, of worshipping in a certain fashion. This entire uh, imagery is uh, added up with uh, Bhava Bhakti and Prema Bhakti. And uh, Prema Bhakti, uh, if, you, if you just look at the uh, words which have been written below, uh, Mahima Yukta Bhakti is something which is when you have an awe, where you are in awe of the Lord. But what is being expected of you is not to have reverence out of awe. What you need to have is Kevala Bhakti, which is pure, which is pristine, so that you can just identify yourself with the Lord. Now, uh, there were other uh, Sri Yantra and uh, Mandala depictions which, uh, which tried to uh, impose and imprint the Vrindavana order in the uh, new uh, Chaitanya avatar. And uh, the eight-petaled thing that we heard in the morning from Gitiji uh, is also reflected over here. And uh, where you find the left one is from the Chaitanya Mandala, and the right one is from the uh, Krishna Lila. So all of them, the four directions with the petals, and the petals are identified with people who, who were born around the, the, the 16th, 17th century and those, exi tho those that existed in the Krishna Leela time. So you have, the if you look at the, uh, at the statements below, you have center, inner circles, primary leaves and gateways. So this is something which tried to convince the reader, the devotee, the bhakta, that they are one and the same. But other homoerotic emotions are also expressed. And these are uh, usually brushed down. These are uh, these are almost uh, uh, excluded from the primary notions that we have. And uh, if you look at uh, uh, this term, God Nagarvad, this is something where Chaitanya is worshipped not just as a avatar, 
but as a male hero who is to be loved who is to be worshiped in the same manner that a woman or a or another person loves another person person to person love so if you look at the uh, i i won't i don't have time or the liberty to go into the detail but if you read through the padavali which has been translated you can understand the type of uh, lustful imagery which is presented so religious literature written by males but in a language which is totally different so uh, this is something which uh, came out in the 17th century basically and there were other variations to it as well where you have things like nodia nagor bhav and uh, various other uh, other versions as well but i'll just leave this apart by the 17th and the 19th century since i'm a historian i'll i'll just go through it in a historical fashion uh by the 17th 19th century by the way chaitanya was born in around 1486 and he died in around 1533 so around the early 16th century where you have the just the mughal empire just coming into shape so uh by the 17th century it was around 200 years and uh, the movement which had germinated in bengal it got transplanted in various other places and by the way if you are in the vrindavan and mathura uh it should be pertinent to keep in mind that most of the places which are now uh, identified as gorakund and various other places they were identified by krishna uh, by chaitanya and his associates they were the first people and uh, other sampradayas also came in later but uh, they tried to do that uh the organizational problem of this uh, religious tradition was that there was no one to uh, group it up or structurally try to uh, organize it so what happened after chaitanya's demise you have various strands all of his disciples they set up their own sampradayas which were under the umbrella of chaitanya vaishnavism and you have the advaita vamsa and the nityananda vamsa and others and so on and so forth but these various cultic uh, figures or the disciples they tried to uh, portray one or the other shade of the movement and some of these movements were not in the exact idea or the exact imagery which was being proffered by the conservative strands so you have various strands to it the conservative strand the more liberal the more fluid stance stances and others uh during this period 17th and 19th century was also one where you have various lower caste popular cults coming into shape the shahid banis and the safi bekis and the others that you hear are most of the uh, cults which originated during this period and they began to use the religious imagery which we have just portrayed earlier to begin a more uh body centric uh functionality which came in from this period onwards so it was it was uh, I'll, i'll just uh, give you the details there were innumerable cults which came up and uh, this is just a basic sketch which has been done so the aun the and these are uh, mind you very fluid identities these are not exactly vaishnav these are semi vaishnav and these are also uh, of different uh, other shades so you have a influence of tantricism coming in of buddhist sahajiyas coming in and the vaishnav traditions all mixing together 
this Shahajiya views are, uh, uh, as I said, that they are more body-centric. And it considers that the body is filled with fluids which have their own uh, ebbs and tides and every other thing. Uh, yeah, so I've just been handed over. So uh, anyway, I, I, I wish that I could go on a little. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, so the Purusha and the Prakriti, the two uh, identifying principles, were identified in male and female bodies. So uh, it was a bodily union that was being imaged in the theology, according to the Sahajiyas. So Jugal Shadhan, or combined uh, uh, fusion between the two bodies, is what was expected. And you have various texts being written. I won't go into the details, but you can just read it. So you have uh, people who were trying to portray how this can take place. It was as if the imagery of the environment of Bengal with its various streams and rivers was being figured as a microcosm within the body. So you have uh, a very body-centric cosmology which comes in and that is being utilized by people uh, of these uh, lesser traditions, so-called lesser traditions. Uh, it is not uh, just to say that uh, women were not accorded any uh, importance within the Vaishnav movement. They were. Uh, and some of them did go on to establish their own uh, image as a founder of the tradition as well. But it, this was more or less a very secondary stance. Uh, on the whole, none of the theological literature were written by females. None of the movements which were initiated by the women got the same respect that the other movements did have. If we come down to the 18th and the 19th century, then uh, we have a very crucial phase coming in, the colonial era, uh, with its own notions of Victorian morality and others, tried to disparage the uh, traditions of the Vaishnavas and they branded it as obscene. Uh, if you look at the uh, Christian missionaries from William Ward onwards, uh, then you have a trenchant criticism being directed to the lasciviousness of Krishna and his amorous um, various things that he did, uh, even as a even being branded as a thief because he used to steal butler and all. The Orientalist scholars like H. H. Wilson and others, they also did the same thing. And the fact is that in the 19th century, you have a, a whole range of uh, uh, farcical literatures coming in where uh, various institutions, like one institution is Guru Prasadi, where it is uh, considered that the Goswamis of the tradition had got so corrupted that they used to cohabit with the wives of the newly wedded disciples that uh, they had. So uh, these are things which came in. We do not know uh, to the, the extent to which this was true, but uh, the vernacular images reflected this. The census mechanism, which was a objectification process which began in the 19th century. 1870s was the first when we have the census, and then every decadal year you have it. The census returned figures for the Vaishnavas where males were far lesser than the females. And how was this to be accounted for? They stated that this was because there was an enormous number of uh, promiscuous women, prostitutes, who were coming in and taking refuge in the religion because they wanted to escape the bounds of Hindu society. So this is something which was being done recurrently 
by various census observers. J.A. Bordelon did it in 1881, H.H. Risley did it in 1901, and so on and so forth. The visual imagery that we have from the Kaligat pot paintings is also something which is uh, quite uh, uh, remarkable. The, the person on the left that you have, uh, a monk, this is a fake counterfeit ascetic, thinks uh, he's, he's just counting the beads, but what he's exactly aiming from is for is exactly the opposite. He's looking after the beautiful women who are going about and other things, and he's also after the money. That's what is said. The one in the middle is uh, also depicting uh, a cat with a prawn in its mouth, but this is also called as a fake ascetic. So you have something inside and something outside. You portray something else and you are something else within you. This is something. And the one in the right is obviously perfectly visible. So uh, housewives were beating people because they were, uh, they were not really acting in the way they should. The colonial reform movements in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and various other Vaishnav sects also tried to outline and try to deviate from the path that uh, was expected of them. And they identified the uh, various subsects that you have as porogatha or creepers, which began to sap the energy of the real Vaishnav movement. So they were trying to go back to the conservative movement that had begun by Chaitanya but they were trying to do it in a fashion. And you have the same thing happening with the Bauls and the Fakirs also. So uh, within Islam also, and within outside of Islam, within Hindu traditions also, the 19th century is something which is extremely uh, significant for us. And I'll conclude. So uh, finally, the Bengali Vaishnava traditions uh, do seem to have been stereotyped in a major way, and gender relations and other things. So you have a feminization of the mind, the theological li literature reflects it, is, uh, is something which is not represented properly, even in our studies about indigenous traditions. So you have that flexibility which is being offered, which is for the taking, but for the academicians, it's still a taboo subject as far as we know. So thank you so much.